0: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast Show. We have a really great uh, conversation coming up for you today, and it's with Brendan Kane. Um, Brendan has done a lot of incredible work. He's a um, speaker, an author, and he helps big brands scale by getting them to stand out, right? And beat the competition. You know, we have this whole three second world that he has mastered in a sense of getting people noticed in three seconds or less, right? Like we have to break. So he's going to break down like what these pillars of his process are and how this works and all the great things, you know, he's done things with like Taylor Swift and other incredible uh, people out there. And so he's going to share a lot of powerful insights. So stay tuned. We're going to get into some really cool stuff. Um, Now, if you missed the last episode, it was with Taryn LaRock and how she went from being a model to creating a sustainable fashion business. I love seeing sustainable fashion businesses uh, do their thing because we need that, right? It is so important that industry is just a mess. um, And it's great to see people chipping away at it with these great businesses. So um, dive into that episode. If you it there's lots of good little nuggets in there. Um, everybody, we have a, uh, a really great uh, new masterclass that we put together to go a little deeper on what's going on in the market and how like the steps that you have to take in order to get really clear on your authentic brand story and what this actually means to your business from a marketing standpoint, a branding standpoint. um, And it's going to be available. You can register for that masterclass. It's a free training um, and it'll be at the URL changecreator.com forward slash go big so stop by changecreator.com forward slash go big you'll be able to get access to that free training um i can't tell you how important it is today especially after you hear this conversation with brendan Um, you're going to see even more you're going to get more excited about why you need to tap into the expertise around authentic brand storytelling and creating a captivating brand right uh really important in today's modern digital world All right, guys, um, follow us on Facebook, join our Facebook group, Be a Change Creator. We'd love to hear from you, connect with you, all that good stuff. And without further ado, we're going to dive into this conversation with Brendan. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Brendan, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Adam. It's awesome to connect with you and all the listeners out there. Awesome, man. Um, I I appreciate it, and I appreciate you coming here and taking the time. Uh, this is actually just a, a, your experience and this topic uh, are something – that I'm very interested in for selfish reasons, and to, <laughs> to share with the audience. Right, we are big on storytelling here at Change Creator in the social impact space. Storytelling is just growing more and more significant. And as you know, more than anything, we have this whole um, you know culture of immediacy and the three second uh, world, as you call it, in your new book uh, Hook Point. Um, so tell me a little bit just about your background, just so people can get kind of grounded on where you're coming from and how you got such expertise where you got to the point of working with people like Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. So I started off my career in the film industry and I wanted to, to produce movies. And as soon as I got to film school to really learn about the business side of it, I quickly realized they teach you nothing about business in film school. So I had to quickly adapt and find a way to to get that experience uh, that I was really looking for and and find that education on my own and i figured the best way to do about do that is to start a business of my own and the most cost-efficient way at the time and it still holds true today is to create internet companies so i created a few internet companies while i was going to college really to just learn and experiment and then when i moved to los angeles in 2005 to pursue a career in film it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust and basically, you know, as the, the, the subject goes of how do you stand out and capture attention in very crowded markets, I just realized that there was tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other people moving to L.A. to pursue a career as a as a film producer. Uh, so I wasn't really standing out. And I just saw that there was a lot of questions uh, being asked from producers, directors, screenwriters, actors on how this, uh, how digital after the dot-com bust and just the emergence of social media could be leveraged to effectively promote uh, these films that they invested so heavily in and, and worked so hard on. Uh, so I just leveraged that experience, uh, informing those internet companies to provide that that strategic value, and quickly went from you know making copies and coffee to creating a digital division for a studio, uh, and you know helped oversee. Uh, the 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 digital strategy on films ranging from fifteen hundred million dollar budgets, uh, which extended to helping you know actors, directors, producers, screenwriters, and further syndicating their brand online. Yeah, and through that process, I just realized that the film industry, which everybody thinks is such a sexy creative thing, is just another corporation. <laughs> and. Uh, I am very much an entrepreneur at heart and decided that it wasn't the, the right strategic fit to work within the ecosystem. So I, I left and I started building technology platforms and, and licensing them back to media companies. And I you know, created partnerships and licensed technology to the likes of Viacom, MTV, Comedy Central, Vice Magazine, Yahoo, Paramount, to name a few. And it was really the MTV partnerships that opened up the doors to work with a Taylor Swift and to work with other notable celebrities, uh musicians, uh athletes. And you know, from there I just continued uh into the the digital and technology ecosystem. And I'll just stop there because I just threw a lot at you and I can dive in further if you
0: if you have other questions. It is. There's a There's a lot that comes up there, and it's really interesting. Um, so just to give us a little sense, what were some of these ad- original digital businesses that you put together?
1: I had done uh, email marketing. I did – there was a – I don't know if you remember back in the day, but Alexa was like the big website, not the Amazon Alexa. The Alexa for uh, yeah. like tra- web traffic, we had created a system to increase your overall Alexa ranking, uh, and there was a – a uh, digital consulting thing that I came up with uh, helping people strategize on how to
0: get online as well. Hmm. Okay. So now um, when you're talking about Hook point. Um, so, just so everybody knows who's listening, um, you know, one of the, his latest book is called Hook Point and How to Stand Out in a Three Second World. Which, you know, since the rise of digital, obviously, you know, this attention factor becomes like attention is this resource, right? And it's um, something that everybody's fighting for, and the markets gets more and more saturated. So, Brendan, I guess over the years, I'd be curious to know your perspective of just how you have seen. You know business in general changing like this fight for attention like it's it's evolved a lot right with the rise of digital so anything stand out to you of like why we just live in this three second world now like how we got there
1: yeah there's a bunch of contributing factors one of which is that today there's over 60 billion messages uh sent out each day and that's billion with a b (laughs) that's through you know social media push notifications text messages emails all of this noise uh, is sent out every single day. So when you think back to before social media, before the internet really took off, there w- there wasn't that much competition. But now you're you're living in a world where you're no longer just competing against your direct competitors. You're competing against every piece of content that's published. So like it or not the world that we live in today, you're competing against LeBron James. You're competing against yeah. Kevin Hart, The Rock, Netflix, Paramount, all of these content providers. We're all fighting for attention. And that's where it's just come, become so critically important to really capture that attention uh, in those first three to five seconds. And as you started off the podcast on one of the the brilliant aspects of your podcast is is storytelling and the the fact of the matter is is your story is critically important however if you cannot win that first three to five seconds they will never get to that story and that's where a lot of people struggling both uh people starting out and even you know major corporations billion dollar corporations that i work with is is that they they have to to win that first three to five seconds to get to their story, to get to their message, to get to their brilliance. And and that's a huge mind shift for most people, for most content creators, and I just see a lot of people really struggling with that. They just dive straight into the story. They just dive straight into the sale or their product or their service or their message with really not understanding how, the, how they're fighting against all this other content uh, on these platforms each day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is grown so much. And uh, I'm, I mean, we get to this three second factor. And is that like, as you talk about that, I'm, in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for people that are listening, it's kind of like, well, where are we fighting for the three seconds? Is it is it everywhere? Like, when I go to their website, you have three seconds to get my attention, or you put a video up on Facebook, or you do a Facebook Live or Instagram Live, you have three seconds. So is it Everywhere uh, meaning every touch point digitally that you're fighting for that three second attention.
1: I see it offline as well. Yeah. I, definitely online. Uh, but even in the offline world, because a lot of the success I've had has been able to secure your know, high profile meetings and maximize the potential of those high profile meetings as well. And oftentimes oftentimes you won't even get the meeting if you don't have that strong hook. And then in addition, it's critically important once you get into that room to really win it, uh, win the attention up front. Now, is it really three to five seconds if you're sitting in front of a, a boardroom? Uh, typically you have a little bit more time, but if you're taking a high profile meeting with a, a major CEO, a celebrity, or any of these people, like you need to, you need to really grab them Otherwise they're going to zone out or they're going to end the meeting early or, or or they're just going to move on to the other
0: things that they have to do with their, their, their day. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, how do you, so, you know, give people a little taste, I guess, of like what, how do you define a hook point? Like what, what makes a hook point in your mind? At a very high level hook point equals grabbing attention.
1: And, there's three core pillars to, to creating a successful hook point. The first part is what we've been talking about is, is generating that pattern interruption in the first three to five seconds to get somebody to stop and just be like, I want to check this out or I want to watch this or I want to read more about this. Then once you have that attention, you have to tell a compelling story. You have to retain that attention because we're not talking about clickbait here. We're not talking about tricking people. Because if you trick people, then they're gonna fall off of the story. They're gonna fall off of the message you wanna share them. And one of the biggest contributing factors to having success on social media is playing to what the algorithms are looking for. And the algorithms are looking for two key things. One, are people stopping when they see your content? And two, how long are they spending with the content that they're consuming from your account? So it's critically important that once you get somebody to stop, that you contextualize your message in such a way that it holds their attention for the longest you know, period of time possible. And then the third core pillar is, do people believe what you're saying? Do people trust what you're saying? And all three of these key pillars have to play together, You know, because if you don't grab attention, you'll never get to the story. If you grab attention and your story or message isn't strong and you don't retain it, then you've lost that attention if you have a compelling hook and a great story, but people don't believe it, then it all falls apart as well. Mm. So that's really how I look at uh, developing hook points for clients, both online, offline, or essentially for any medium. Uh, those key principles have allowed us to be very successful in our endeavors and also for our clients.
0: Yeah, wow. No, that's great. So those three pillars for everybody was pattern interruption, a compelling story, and then you know, do they trust what you're saying? Um, And and you're right. I mean, people have. We live in a in a time where people's defenses are up, right? Like the old days of infomercials and all that, like you know, like making up stories and just you know, people's guards are up and the red flags go up, right? I mean, isn't that like an immediate response to people today? Like you have to almost break through their defense.
1: <laughs> yes, I would say I would say that that in addition to they're protecting the most valuable asset in the world, which is time.
0: Yep.
1: And we all live in a world where we get all of this content pushed to us, thus we have to prioritize our time. Yeah. It's like for me, when I look at my email inbox, I probably get 1500 emails a day uh, between clients uh, being CC'd on stuff, you know, email newsletters I'm signed up for, promotions, all that stuff. And when I look at my email inbox, there's no human way that I have the time to read every email. Right. So I have to prioritize my time. And I'm sure this goes the same with every person when they check their email inbox. And it applies to all mediums, not just the inbox. Uh, yeah. Even looking at social media, when you open up Instagram, there's probably a thousand pieces of content that the algorithms can to you. Right. They're prioritizing on your behalf, which are the top ones. And that's why you'll see accounts with large followings and low engagement or low reach. It has nothing to do with that they have a fake audience or it's an unengaged audience. It's just the algorithms have prioritized other content above it and are are suppressing that reach. Right. Right. The other way that I look at it too, is just my consumption of television and movies today. Because like, there is so much content out there when I'm watching, even if it's a show that's recommended to me, and there's several high profile shows that have been recommended that everybody loves. If I don't get into it in the first five or 10 minutes, like I'm done. Yeah. Why? Because there's, 15 other shows have been recommended to me. <laughs> right. It's not its not like it was back in the 70s and 80s where there was only like five television shows, uh, t- television stations and like 15, 20 shows to choose from.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, things have changed quite a bit. And, you know, I, as you have now, I guess, gone through, you have your own process that you've created. Um, what has, what, before I even ask you about some of the case studies and stuff, what has led you to create the process? Um, I know you talked about earlier businesses and trying to stand out in the market. Um, what what got you to the conclusion of the three pillars that you have?
1: Well, a lot of... In, in the book for Hookpoint, there's actually a five-step framework that we use to develop Hookpoint. So the, the three key pillars are what ultimately determines whether Hookpoint is successful or not. Got it. But I have been using this process for over 15 years, and it's when people ask me, well, how did I close Taylor Swift as a client, or MTV, or how did I, you know, get promoted to running a a movie studio marketing arm, or how did I generate a million followers in 30 days, or how do we generate billions of views for our clients? I had to really take a step back and analyze, well, what is the common theme? What is the through line? that has generated all that success and it really came down to uh standing out and and being different and you know capturing people's attention in very noisy and over saturated markets and and that's where i felt that i could provide the most value to the world uh and decided to create you know the framework and the pillars around that to contextualize what it is that that myself and my partners have been able to do to really reach the the scale uh and it's also when i work with clients again somebody just graduated from college or the ceo of a multi-billion dollar organization they're often lacking that innovative strategy to continuously stand out uh, to capture that attention and uh, secondarily and just as important maintain maintain it as well
0: yeah yeah Hmm. yeah so I guess I'm curious, you know, about some of the case studies you have. uh, Were any of them, I'm sure some were more challenging than others um, and have unique circumstances maybe they were dealing with. So I'm sure, can you give us an example maybe of something that, you know, you got brought into and and how that played out? Maybe some of the challenges that you had to overcome with that and, and setting this up? Yeah,
1: like I could start with, you know, the work that we did with Taylor Swift is when we were brought in, uh, she she was having problems with her official online presence at the time. You know, the time spent on her site was like below 40 seconds. There was a 98 percent bounce rate off the homepage and she was really struggling to connect in a meaningful way with her fans through this platform in the same way she was able to do so brilliantly through social media. So we had to really construct a strategy that matched her willingness and ability to connect with fans in a deep and meaningful way and translate it to an official website, to a fan club where it was notoriously not an engaging experience, not just with her, but with most uh, celebrities and musicians. So yeah. we needed to really find a way to kind of flip that on its on its head. And we had, at the time, built a technology that literally you you could dynamically change any element of the site yourself without writing a single line of code. So when we rebuilt her site for her, we did it in less than six hours. And when I walked into the meeting with her, I gave her the mouse. I said, you can change every single element of of this yourself. And thus gave her that control and that flexibility to communicate uh, through this. In addition, we had to really uh, look at how we could scale the engagement level, because for her, she was so hands on. And one of the reasons that she was so successful is she really understood the value and importance of fostering one-to-one communication with fans, understanding that each time she signed an autograph with a fan, took a photo. I responded to a comment not only did it turn that fan into a fan for life but it turned that fan into a brand advocate but because she was becoming such a huge global superstar that doesn't scale even even with her willingness to do like a 13-hour autograph signing for an album release yeah like you can only reach so many fans with that yeah so we partnered with a, a few other technology platforms to really foster that community by connecting fans to one another and connecting them so that they could communicate with each other around uh, their love for Taylor Swift and their music and things of that nature. And then we also looked at, well, we have all these brand advocates that we're building. How do we give them more tools and and fun and creative ways to really continue to share Taylor's brand at the highest possible velocity? Mm. And I was really thinking about a hook point with, with my team of what could do that and in our research, we identified at the time there's about 30 Taylor Swift fans that actually took the time to, to learn how to read and write code. And <laughs> so that they could create their own official Taylor Swift fan site and, and really express their love with, for Taylor's music with the world. Wow. And we thought, well, that's amazing. What about all the other fans? What if we could give something like that to all the other fans without having them learn how to read and write code? Because we all know that's a, that's a very daunting and arduous task. And that's where we came up with a concept uh, and technology that we built where we could automatically turn any Facebook page uh, into an official Taylor Swift fan site in less than 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. And what we did is once you accepted the permissions, we would extract your name and your photos and we would automatically pull it through the API and insert it into one of 15 different designs you could choose from. And again, once you click that button, it was, it was done in less than 60 seconds. It was built for you, customized for you. And then the, the little secret was that it was the, the same platform that Taylor Swift fan, our website was built on. So really fans were getting the same technology and they could go in and and customize it even further if they wanted. We had some fans that literally deleted the entire site and created a brand new one from (laughs) scratch because they had all these tools at their fingertips and And we went from 30 Taylor Swift fan sites to over 35,000 in just a few months. And that was a hook that really amplified that connection between Taylor and her fans and also made them feel like they're part of the team and giving them tools to really express uh, their, their love for Taylor and, again, feeling like they were part of the team.
0: Yeah, wow. So I mean, how do you define so in that particular scenario, you, you, you said this technology you created, create a website in 60 seconds. Um, you know, you started off saying that we had to create more connection and give control like to have more meaning uh, th- from Taylor Swift connecting with the audience and stuff. Um, so how do you define a hook point here? Uh, for this type of process? You were calling the technology a hook. So is th- or is this a technology well, form yeah. of a hook
1: point? There is several hooks in that story I just told you. Uh, you know, first and foremost, the actual the hook that I gave Taylor or did I express to Taylor Swift when I sat down with her and it was, hey, Taylor, I built this site for you in less than six hours. And I know your frustration uh, around your current thing. You can control every element of it. So it was you know, there's a, a few things. One is the less than six hours. One was giving her the mouse so that she could customize any element and see that control. And another was, you never have to deal with the developer again if you don't want to. Right. Then there was the hook for the fans. It's like, hey, we'll create a official Taylor Swift fan site in less than 60 seconds by clicking this button. No code required. So those were, you know, different hooks. One was the B2B hook in the, in the, you know, expression to Taylor Swift and to get her excited to get her engaged uh, and interested in working with us. And then there was to the fans of creating this uh, custom Taylor Swift fan site for you in less than 60 seconds with a simple click of a button.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could see how obviously something unique like that, like you were saying, and, you know, make something different. Um, that kind of gets your your ears perk up and you go, wait a minute, what are you saying? I can do this in 60 seconds. And you want to hear more. And now there's actually an interesting story behind why you're doing that too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, again, that the hooks grab the attention. What you do with it still matters immensely. I just see that most people in the world have something amazing to offer, have a true genius, have a, a product or service that is extremely valuable. What they lack is the way to really bring people into the conversation in a unique way. It was So for example, I'm advising uh, the largest real estate uh, company in the world. They have 180,000 agents. Wow. And I was talking to one of the heads of the company and it was interesting because what they're saying is all of their sales associates, especially their top ones, they're amazing salespeople, but they struggle with marketing. And it makes sense, is their job is to sell. Yeah. But when you're entering this wor- this noisy world, entering a world, especially with COVID and everything going on and everything moving digitally and socially, you've got to flip that on its head and turn yourself into a marketer, turn yourself into a storyteller to earn the right to sell. Because most people struggle with uh, selling something because they're just doing that. They're selling something when they haven't earned the right to that part of the conversation yet.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. This goes deep. I, I, you, you have, you hooked me. I want to get, I want to get the book. (laughs) Yeah. I mean this, this kind of stuff, you know, as you know, we do like a lot of storytelling, like I mentioned earlier and kind of focus on the power of storytelling for business today and identity with your brand and things like that. And as you kind of get into pattern interruption and then backing it with the stories and all these things, like, um, it all ties in really nicely. And I think this culture of this three second, you know, grab the attention in a saturated market factor, if you can't figure out how to break through that to your point, um, it's just going to be an uphill battle forever. so i I kind of love that focus on that that breaking that uh, right out of the gate,
1: yeah. the world that we live in is oversaturated across the board. So if you sitting there thinking, my industry is not oversaturated you're looking at the the holistic picture in a in the wrong way is is you are competing for attention in everything that you do
0: everything yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, and I don't know that, that it's going to go away anytime soon. You know, we can niche, niche, niche. But to your point, the, the market, we're still bombarded with, you know, thousands upon thousands of ads every day and different people trying to grab your attention for different things. Um, and it's exhausting. So if you if you can't grab someone's attention, you just you're not even getting, you know, a, a conversation with them at all. <laughs> hundred percent. And
1: and also, even if you're going niche, niche, niche is you've got to understand that, especially when you're dealing with organic and it does apply to, apply, apply to paid as well, is the more niche you go with your message, the more you're training the algorithms that that message is, is, is for that for a specific niche and thus they'll prioritize other content over your content. And that's a struggle I see people have when they go way too specific with their content. Oftentimes, they're they're not going to get the reach even to the people that are following them or the people that have opted into it because the algorithms are just controlling that overall distribution. And that's when we work, work with clients, what we try and reshape Uh, their their marketing strategy to develop hooks that can bring in that wider audience so that you can get that mass distribution and within that mass distribution you will hit your core
0: audience Hmm, that's an interesting point you know um you're right so we are being served information based on our interests and if you dial in extremely niche Um, your messaging will connect with that particular audience. But as far as, to your point, the social media technology goes, you start kind of cutting your legs out from underneath yourself, in a sense, you're saying.
1: Yeah, and it's not just social media. It's even like emails. Like email deliverability is impacted by what are the open rates of your emails. Uh, So it it just, again, it's like how can you contextualize it to, to make it bigger to make a wider audience be attracted to it. So I'll, I'll give you an example yeah. that I think really demonstrates this. So there is a real estate agent named Ryan Sirhans. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yeah. he was initially on million dollar listing, but that's not the reason that he's like probably the most famous real estate agent in the world right now. It's because of what he's done on social media. Mm. And he works at the highest level. Like he's representing properties like between 5 million and like a hundred million dollars so for him he has a very very niche audience in terms of who's gonna buy his property but what he did so brilliantly is he understood everything that we're talking about and he started developing content and developing hooks for the wider audience so what he'll do is if you go to his youtube channel and 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 um sort by the most popular he'll go and tour a 200 million dollar mansion even if he's not representing it and give that tour or he'll he'll go tour the biggest closet in all of New York City and what that's doing is that those hooks bring everybody into it, like who doesn't wanna see what a $200 million home (laughs) looks like, who doesn't wanna see what the the biggest closet in New York City looks like. So what he'll do is he'll generate millions and millions of views on those videos, and 99.9% of the people viewing that can't afford it. But there is that percentage of people that can't afford it that do tune in because the algorithms are giving it so much reach he has is, he is, uh, ex- openly expressed that he has sold properties because of his YouTube videos. Like wow. people don't even tour the home in person. They just see the YouTube video and then put it in an offer. And <laughs> oh what he's God. doing is he's building this huge brand and now he's diversified into his own brokerage. He's diversified into building his own media network. Whereas most realtors are just focused on how do I sell this one property to this and market it to this specific audience. He had a larger vision. He understands the power of these hooks to win attention. And by winning attention, he gets far more distribution through his social content than any other real estate agent out there. And same thing with Gary Vaynerchuk. The reason he's so successful, his team has mastered that first three to five seconds as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Two very different uh, types of people. And, you know, you think about, Because I guess when I think about going broader, like you're saying, is this organic that we're talking about or for paid marketing as well? Meaning, you know, when we go broader, it does cost more money for us to reach a broader audience. So do you need a $100,000 marketing budget? Sometimes it costs less to go broader. uh, Because
1: the the more variables you put into these ad platforms and the more restrictive you say this is the exact audience i want typically your cost of the auction increases significantly now i'm not saying never to do that like listen if you have a a very if you're just i'm i'm need to sell this product to cmo's and there's only 500 of these cmo's in the world then obviously yes but i always recommend people test like for example i was working on a campaign for a company called chatbooks And they were, I'm pretty sure they still are, the number one online photo printer in the world. At the time I worked with them, which was like two years ago, it was like a million subscribers. Yeah. And they came to me with a Mother's Day campaign with some amazing creative that that my friend had produced. And it was like three to like 10-year-olds talking about how their moms are like superheroes. Hmm. And they said, we only want to target mothers 45 plus with this content. And I said... I'm willing to test that, but let me go broad and just see what happens. Let me test a few other audiences. And when I got into to the data and launched these campaigns, what I saw, what was happening is that it was actually resonating most with females 18 to 25. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I dug in deeper and what was happening is these females 18 to 25 were sharing it with their mothers and tagging them in it. So (laughs) what's happening is we are actually hitting our core demo in a far more powerful way of bridging this this emotional connection between uh, mothers and daughters by the daughter sharing it with the mother. In addition to the fact we opened it up to a completely new audience and the correlative effect is because we went broader is our cost in the auction dropped as well.
0: Yeah, so I can see how costs go down when you go broader. I guess the question would be, and you guys did end up reaching your target, meaning the people who would actually buy. So if you spend more upfront on ads to go narrow, do you have a higher sales conversion rate if we're doing something specific for a product? But, uh, you know, in, in this case of what you're talking about for increasing reach and having, I mean, that scenario that you just mentioned is pretty unique. And, interesting uh, to see how the daughters are sharing. And then because the moms may have never even found it. So by reaching them, there's also a level of trust being conveyed that it's coming from the daughter. So there's an interesting effect there, I think, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And each business is unique. Each business is different. We've just seen far more success in, in helping our clients position for the broader scale of things than just, hey, let's pinpoint this exact audience and and that's all we're really serving yeah, at the end of yeah. the day.
0: You know, we've seen that too, because we would go and do ads like very specifically and you're right. You know, the more specific and niche you get, you're going to pay more for that. That's a high value, um, you know, group of people uh, for your business. But we loosened up our marketing and we actually, you know, worked with some ad teams and stuff and kind of saw some things they were doing. And we were just seeing that very, very, minimal, um, like, uh, parameters were, were applied, uh, at certain campaigns and they were very successful because the algorithm does start to find the people that are most relevant, but you are reaching more people at the same time. So I think from a, a marketing standpoint there, it does make a pretty fair amount of sense. The only thing we would do is one top level parameter, which could be like a country plus, you know, they're interested in entrepreneurship, right? Very broad and it starts to work its way through the algorithm and it, it, it works well.
1: Yeah, and it, like my book is is another, my first book is another example is the hook, a million followers in 30 days, is very broad uh, and, and appeals to a very wide audience. Yeah. And the strategy that I employed with that was by design is I wanted a, a strong hook that can bring in the widest audience possible and within that widest audience I will find my core uh, clients that will engage me on a deeper level and that's going to be less than 1% of the people reading the book. But I knew that by having a hook like 1 million followers in 30 days, I could you know push a bunch of copies into the market and, and saturate the market so that even if I'm not directly putting my hands into the book into the hands of the person that is that ideal client, it will get there. Like for example, that real estate company yeah. uh, I mentioned, it, uh, it got into the hands of one of their top real estate agents, they applied some of the tactics and you know generated a lot of profit and then mm-hmm. then she sent it to the founder of this real estate company and now I'm engaged with them. And on top of that, I've just built, you know, massive brand awareness, a massive uh, brand push by getting all these copies
0: into the market uh, at the same time. Wow. Yeah. No, it makes sense, too, because if you have the right hook, um, you'll get a lot more if you are doing any kind of paid marketing and stuff like because it's going to just like it's going to be a little more viral. Right. So, um, do you do any tests for, let's say you call it like the title of the book, like that hook. Um, do you test those things in any way first? In some ways, like I've been doing this long
1: enough that for both of my books, I knew that the overall hook was solid. There was certain tweaks to words and then also tweaks to design Uh, and expressions of it uh, that we test Uh, but we've got enough data and enough experience to really understand whether or not something's going to resonate and then also I have a network of some of the most successful people on the planet that I'm constantly having conversations with as well and I'll always seed an initial hook or idea to them to see how they respond to it and also to see how I can express it and also and hone in on the story that I tell once I have the hook coming in. Uh, so we don't do necessarily, you know, A-B testing on the overarching hook online. I do most of that kind of through experience and also some of the, the networks that I have. But once we have that hook, we're going to test many different creative assets into it. Like for our ads into our books we'll test hundreds and hundreds of different expressions of that hook to bring people in and different expressions of the story to bring people in.
0: Got it. Interesting. Very cool, man. I love it. Um, Well, we are over our time. So I'm going to be respectful of your time and we'll wrap up here. Let's just make sure everybody knows where the best place to go online is to find your book, maybe learn a little bit more about uh, you and your team and uh, how they can even work with you guys if they wanted to stuff like that.
1: So I would I would start even if you're interested in the one million followers book I would start with Hook Point because it really sets that 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 foundation and groundwork to be successful on social, and they can go to book.hookpoint.com to get that. Uh, if they do want to dive into the one million followers book, uh, they can go to book.one million followers.com, and uh, if they're interested in working directly with me and my team, they can either DM me on Instagram at Brendan Kane or email me at bkane at brendanjkane.com. Cool.
0: Awesome, Brendan. Really appreciate your time today and uh, love what you're doing. And um, listen, thanks for just kind of sharing these insights, really valuable stuff.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. It was awesome connecting with you and, and everybody out there listening. I really
0: appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for tuning into the Change Creator podcast. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to get access to free downloads and other great resources that will drive your business forward.